the TSN MMA show has coarse language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got some great guests on the show this week. Israel Adesonia and Paulo Costa join us. And I think we have some more guests, too. we got uh, Hakeem Dawadu, I know, is joining us. And I think that might be it. But uh, that's still a pretty yeah. solid lineup. Yeah, I would say so. I'm actually uh, curious to see what uh, Hakeem Dawadu has to say. Well, you, what you're going to want to do, Joe, actually, is, uh, is watch SportsCenter. Because tomorrow on SportsCenter, okay. we've got like a 10-minute feature on Hakeem about his upbringing, about what he went through, and how he became a martial artist. And it's, uh, I'd say it's really, really worth watching. Oh, for sure. I just... Uh... Just watching some of the stuff I've been seeing, hearing how he started his first uh, seven fights with no finishes. And then I think he said his coach kind of called him out for it, being like, hey, you're a great fighter, but you're not a finisher. So he took it personally, and then he got like seven finishes in a row. So I like his mentality. I mean, I'm excited for him, but he's in for a tough fight. I mean, he's in against a good grappler. So hopefully his striking shines. Yeah, well, we'll discuss that a little bit later on. We do have one other guest. Dominic Reyes, who might be the light heavyweight champion of the world. Did you see, I did all these interviews except for Hakeem last week. So I have to refresh my okay. memory as to who we have on the show. Of course, I could have just written it down with my show notes here. But, uh, you know, yeah. I like to just shoot from the head, even, even last week, you missed somebody. And we kind of kind of went back and apologized for it. Yeah, I missed Johnny Walker. Like, I've, I'm lucky oh, enough to Johnny have these fantastic Walker. guests on the show every week. And I just, like, yeah. because I do so much There's stuff all the time. I just, it just, I don't know. Once it, once it's done, it becomes history for me, which is good. Like, I don't loom on things for the most part, except yeah. for when I interview Dana. When I, view, when I interview Dana, I loom on it for a little bit. I, I'm like, oh, I could have done this mm-hmm. and that. But everybody else, it just, it just becomes like, okay, what's the next interview? What's the next thing I'm doing? I, yeah, I'm, not, just, I'm not the kind that looks back. Yeah. But even me now, like, I was preparing for today's show, and I was looking back. I was like, Covington and Woodley. I was like, that seemed like months ago. I, know. I can't like believe ago. it's literally not even a week ago, like it yeah. just passed. So, I oh. mean, well, why don't we crazy. start with that? I mean, that fight was uh, one way traffic. Uh, Woodley has now lost basically 15 rounds in a row. I mean, he lost in the in the fifth round, so you can't really say that round to, went to completion, but pretty much he lost that round because he lost the fight in that round. So, uh, 15 straight rounds in a row, Woodley has lost. I'm not sure where this guy goes from here. But uh, he did go on Instagram Live and said that he doesn't have any intentions of either switching camps or retiring. Uh, what, what do you think would be a good matchup for him at this stage? Like, obviously, his championship aspirations have to be completely behind yeah. him at this point in time. But, I mean, I, think, I still think that he's a good fighter. I still think that he can beat uh, fighters that are ranked in the welterweight division, just not guys that are ranked in the top three, top four. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we're looking at Woodley so so bad right now. And I think the retirement talk is more of like, Yes, he can't compete in the top of the division, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to retire. I mean, we're seeing a lot of guys still continue to support their families. Like, we're talking about Diego Sanchez fighting this weekend, who's, you know, still getting fights. He's not fighting for titles or anything, but it's still a job. It still supports the family. I think that's something that we have to look at, these ex-champions as well. It's okay to be 38 and not at the, the top of the division. I think there's a lot of fights for him. Like, even within the top 10, I'd say... A couple more, but outside of, you know, end of this year, 2021, I think it's a good time for Woodley, though, to think about uh, a nice exit strategy, which he could have been doing the last few years with all the extra gigs he's doing anyway. So I think he's going to be just fine. And then you look at uh, Dana White saying that he wants to have the talk with Cowboy Cerrone. I thought Cowboy Cerrone looked good in the fight. Like, I thought going the distance with Nico Price isn't easy. Nico Price hits hard, and he got hit with some big shots in the first. Now, technically, if not for eye pokes, he loses that fight because it was a draw as a result of uh, Nico Price losing a round due to the eye pokes. But, I mean, 
he he out cardioed a younger Nico Price. He won that third round, you know. So I I don't think you should write Cowboy off yet. I still think Cowboy has more fights that would be a lot of fun. I mean, put him up against the Carlos Condit, for example. Like they're, they're put him up against Matt Brown again. You know, there's a lot of good fighters that are kind of you know in the later stages of their careers that I think Cowboy would would uh, have some fun fights with. Yeah, I mean. I thought Nico Price was going to get a finish. And in that first round, I actually thought he was going to. He really went after Cerrone. But uh, just seeing that first round, and I mean, if if I had to pick between a Woodley and Cerrone, who I'd want to see exit first, I would probably pick Cerrone uh, to take the exit out if I had to pick one. But, uh, I mean, there was some positive sides of it, but uh, there was also some negative sides of him taking the big shots, him not looking the same, uh, you know, the eye poke giving him the draw. But, when you look at it, to me, it, it's still a loss to Cerrone. Uh, still surprises me why Nico Price was so excited about a draw. <laughs> that was weird. Still that was weird. He's just an odd person. Weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know him that much as a, as a personality. But one, it looked like he was just having so much fun off fight week when he was even the face-offs with Cerrone and just, I don't know. But maybe that killer instinct wasn't there in that fight. And that's why he didn't get to finish. You got to have that killer instinct. Sometimes he just seemed a little too friendly. Um, fight week with Cerrone for you know, my life. Cowboy seen a lot of stuff in his life. I'm sure he was looked as confused as anybody. When Nico price was like in the back being like, Oh man, I love to fight you. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, let me come train with you, man. Let me come train. With you. He looked yeah. at him. He was looking at him sideways. Like, dude, we just had a draw. Like, why are you so happy? And cowboy, yeah. I'm sure has seen all kinds of weird stuff in his life. And that weirded him out. Yeah, I actually thought it was cool too. I'll bring up one of the other fights while we're we're talking about this. But Kevin Holland against Darren Stewart. How Holland even walks out and talks to Dana White, saying, "I lost that fight. Like I don't mind running it back again," which I thought was really interesting. You don't really don't see that from someone who just came out of a fight. He didn't lose that fight though. He won rounds one and two, and then so the third, third round he got clobbered. It happens. That's I mean, you, you lose the third yeah. round. The problem is a lot of people look at these fights and they're like, oh, that's a bad decision. It's like, no, he won one and two, and he just happened to lose the third round worse than he won rounds one and two. Like, he, it was a really lopsided round, whereas there were two close rounds before that. Similar to, like, Volkanovski versus Holloway. You know, like, a lot of people were like, oh, Holloway got robbed. It's like, no, I mean, he, Holloway just happened to have two really good rounds, whereas Volkanovski had three good rounds and might have won them, as opposed to emphatically win them, winning them the first, uh, the way that Max Holloway won the first two rounds. Like, you have to look at the big picture here. Yeah, and I think that uh, happens a lot in the, in the combat sports. We always talk about that recency effect, but the recency effect not only happens between fights, but it also happens within the, the, the three to five rounds that happens. I mean, even my world title fight, there was a lot of controversy on, you know, Mark DeBont, people thinking he won. But I was like, I clearly won the, the first three rounds with two knockdowns, and he won the last two with a knockdown. So it's three to two. So to look at the bigger picture, I think, is really important. Unless they want to do what they kind of uh, have been talking about a lot of times until they start doing that cumulative scoring kind of thing where they kind of take in all the rounds and then declare a winner. That could, could be an option, but I think you're always going to have situations like that regardless. Yeah. I don't know if you want to go back to pride scoring. I don't think the UFC would, uh, would, would do that. I think they like things the way they are in terms of the scoring. Uh, even though I personally think that the scoring system sucks in MMA. I just think that the 10, nine must system adapted to a three round fight or even a five round fight is flawed. I, I just think yeah. that, I think that, that if you did like a, uh, 20, like a, 20 point must system or you did a, a half point must system like those would be more conducive because not all rounds are created equal and like if you were to if you were to have made that a 10 point a half point system holland wins 10 to 9 on the first round probably 10 to 9 and a half in the second round and then stewart probably went 10 to 8 and a half in the third round 
And then, I, I, I mean, you can tally that how you want to tally it, but there's no excuse for the commissions to be like, well, we don't know how to do math properly, so we're not going to do that. Like, get a, get a calculator, man. Like, yeah. it's really not the, the hardest thing in the world to do. But uh, going back to Colby Covington, uh, a big topic this week during uh, fighter media availability for UFC 253 is a lot of the fighters taking exception to what Colby Covington was saying. Um, and, uh, you know, Dana White has basically come out and said, like, we don't muzzle our fighters. We don't tell our fighters what to say. All of our fighters are free to say what they want to say. But in my opinion, and I've always been one of these guys saying that, you know, Colby Covington's whole thing is, a, is there's a, it's an act. You know, it's not, it's not really who he is. But I think that, you know, I compare Colby Covington right now to like the movie Frankenstein. Like Dan Lambert and all the guys at, at ATT encouraged him to do this whole character thing and to, you know, you need to get noticed. You need to get this attention. But Frankenstein has gone out of control. And uh, he's no longer with ATT. Dan Lambert said, like, it's, you know, you got to go. It's too much. You've been calling out our own guys too much, even though we, we had a meeting and said you weren't going to do that. So I think that just Frankenstein has gotten out of control. He's become the character that he originally uh, set out to be uh, as kind of a fun thing. It's now become way over the top. And when he says things to Kamaru Usman saying, like, yo, if you win, what's going to happen? You're, uh, you know, the, the head of your tribe is going to blow smoke signals. Uh, that mm. kind of stuff is just that's where you cross the line that's where you are are taking somebody's background and ethnicity and you're bringing that up as a way of insulting them and that is racism i mean that's yeah. that is what why people are upset about this i think that's the yeah. i think if you look at what he said over the course of the week um you know that paired with him saying that like black lives matter was uh insinuating that they were a terrorist group and that tyron woodley was was uh sympathizing with terrorist groups that kind of stuff it's you know that kind of stuff is, is really bad. But I think that he, where he really, really crossed the line was in his uh, the, the thing, the back and forth that he had with Kamaru Usman. Yeah. Do you think it's part of the sensitivity of the Black Lives Matter and all the racism talk now that's kind of escalating it? Because a lot of times, if you think back at some of the other types of characters we've had, look at some of the stuff we've heard from, you know, Conor McGregor. Look at the, some of the stuff we've heard from Chael Sonnen. Um, about the Brazilians, you know, I mean, like, Even Covington, there's been yeah. some, yeah, there's been some like lines crossed in the past, but I just think with the sensitivity, I'm not agreeing with it, but I just think the sensitivity time, it was just a terrible time for, for Covington to come out with those types of, whether it's real or not. And I mean, even the sensitivity of the issues he brings up about, you know, the, the defunding of the police and how he, he supports, you know, a lot of the police. And that's still in, in a weird way, a, a topic that's under a lot of debate now with, you know, a lot of the people disagreeing and agreeing. I just think everything is so political right now that as a fighter with attention, you just have to be extra careful at this time. Yeah, I, but I think that ultimately, you know, if he's not getting punished by the UFC, this whole thing is just going to end up benefiting him more. People are going to want to tune in to watching it, watch him lose. You know, yeah. I think the fight that everybody wants to see right now is him against Usman again because they saw Usman beat him the last time. They want to see Usman beat him again. That being said, Colby Covington faces Usman. He has a chance of winning that fight. That was a great fight. That was a close fight. Um, so now if you have your champion talking like that, is that something the UFC want to roll the dice on? I don't know. Um, and then you talk about him versus Jorge Masvidal. Like, Jorge Masvidal is a Trump supporter as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not really... Uh, that fight That fight doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, that, that seems to be the fight that everybody's saying needs to happen next is Covington versus... Uh, Versus Wood, uh, sorry, versus Masvidal, but I think you just have Covington wait on the sidelines and, and get the next title shot. Like I think he's, 
shown that he is probably the second best guy in the division. I mean, let's see what happens in that Burns fight. I don't want to write off Gilbert Burns. I think Gilbert Burns is a good shot of winning that fight stylistically. But uh, Covington's shown how good he is. He's shown um, what he's able to do. But when he starts doing all of these, you know, bringing all these antics into it and starts saying things that, um, you know, are, are racist or um, at least arguably racially motivated in terms of how he's insulting somebody, like you said, it's 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 not a good look now, and I don't think it's a good look ever. Like, I, I just don't want to give yeah. the guy a pass whatsoever for that kind of conduct. I don't think that uh, it's uh, befitting of, of a champion or a championship-level fighter. Uh, and I think that that's where we, you know, while the sport does have an element of entertainment to it, you know, this isn't the same sport as, like, a team sport or anything along those li- lines. I think that um, we, we still do need to look at, at the fact that while it's entertainment, there are lines that can be crossed, and I think that he has crossed the line. Yeah, well, I mean... I'll just give you another example of, of uh, what I saw today. I mean, we saw the press conference between Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. You're going now, there was a little bit of trash talk debate between the two, and you have Paulo Costa now insulting Adesanya's earring, making a reference to homosexuals. So now it's kind of like, all right, now we're crossing so many lines in this sport. I just think everyone really genuinely needs to be careful and um, at a time like that, like especially now, we have to be extra careful. There's a lot of, you know, issues that are out and, and in public that we just need to watch out for. And the other thing is that this sport has worked so hard to become a mainstream sport and has worked so hard to become like watching clips of MMA on TV and in commercials like 20 years ago. It's unheard of to think that that would happen. The sport has yeah. crossed so many barriers. And if you look at how diverse the sport is, you look at all the champions and where they're from. You've got a champion from China, champions from Nigeria. You've got a champion um, from, you know, champions from the U.S., of course. You've got champions uh, from Brazil. You've got champions from all over the world. This is one of the most diverse sports in the world. It's a sport that has crossed a lot of barriers, and it took a long time for this sport to get recognized as being a real sport, being a sport that is on SportsCenter, being a sport that's covered by ESPN, that ESPN has the rights to. When you do this kind of thing, you're not only hurting yourself and your image, you're hurting the image of the sport as a whole. And this is a sport that I think at its core is something that is rooted in sportsmanship, is something that is rooted in respect, something that is rooted in discipline. And uh, I think that when you, br- when you break those barriers and you, you go against those mantras of the sport, so to speak, that you're only hurting um, the sport as a whole. You're hurting the sport as a whole, not just yourself. Yeah, but even myself personally, like within the, the past 10 years and even through my career, one of my biggest points and everything I would make sure to add in all of my interviews and stuff is saying that, you know, there's such a terrible image of fighters. And this is only 10 years ago. Criminals, tattoos, the Chuck Liddell Mohawks. Like there was a big stereotype surrounding the sport, surrounding its fighters. So that's where... I came in to try to be the no tattooed person, you know, well, uh, you know, spoken, trying to be very respectful, brings that martial artist, the GSP side into the sport. So we've come such a long way and it would just suck to, you know, continue to go backwards. And because I still think like when I still watch all like, you know, the big sports shows and stuff, there's still, in my opinion, not enough talk on you know, the, the on, on the UFC, we need a little bit more attention. We're slowly getting there, but we're still a long way to go to be recognized like the NBA's, the NFL's, and a lot of the other sports. So there's still some work to be done. And to go into any other professional sport that has a, a real code of conduct, because I don't know if the UFC actually has a real code of conduct. Um, they, they've said they have, but I, I, I nobody's ever seen it. Um, and it's not really made public, which I think is a mistake. 
But if you come out and say what you what he said to Usman in another sport, like you're suspended. You might be suspended for the year. Like that kind of thing is not accepted there. So if you're going to make your sport different from other sports, expect to be expect for your sport to be treated differently than other sports. Um, yeah. I think that we need to look look at that. Yeah, I mean, the code of conduct is important. I know most other fight leagues with the code of conduct is the penalty, a financial penalty. If and, and it goes even outside of the fights, your tweets, your social media posts, you know, what you're saying in your interviews, that all should have to follow that code of conduct. And there should be a financial penalty, you know, for it. Or, again, a suspension penalty, some sort of, you know, punishment for these guys to just come out there. I mean, they need to understand that they're image does influence people so we need we need that we need to change the sport we need to change the world and it starts with good people so it's refreshing when we see a lot of these athletes doing that positive stuff so we need more of them and uh, i want to last thing about this card that i want to talk about is Hamza shemaev i mean another incredible performance by him the best of his career uh his young career so far in the ufc but that knockout over gerald mearshart was a real statement knockout uh this guy looks like he has all the makings of a star and dana white came out earlier today at that press conference that you spoke about earlier and said that Shemaev is, is going to headline a fight night card mm-hmm. against a ranked fighter. Um, now, I don't know who that ranked fighter is, but uh, right now I just I think Shemaev is, is one of the, the can't-miss prospects um, of our time. I mean, try to think back. People, I, I've heard people like poo-poo this idea and say, well, he shouldn't be ranked and, he, you know, let's see how he does against a ranked guy. When was the last time you saw a fighter come into the UFC and do what this guy's done? Dominate three fights in a row, made it look easy, come out, talk trash, um, and, all, and, and back it up as well, and then go on to fail. Like, go on to maybe you're ranked and then you fall off. I just can't think of anybody that's had this kind of it quality to them. You know, do what he's done in those three fights, three fights in a row, and then fail. Like, is there anybody that comes to mind? Because I was trying to think of this earlier. No, I can't really think of anyone. I mean, three spectacular fights. I don't think he still wasn't hit. I think he's been hit once in those three fights, barely. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be one of the few to, to say it out loud. But I don't uh, – I'm still not sold. Sorry. I'm not I'm not riding the train yet. Um, there's a lot other aspects What else do you need to, to see, fighting. Joe? <laughs> well, I need to see him go through a fight where, you know what, there's times where – you do get hurt. You got to go through things. You, you know, you're fighting a frustrating fighter. I mean, yes, the one punch is great. There's times where your power is not going to have a good advantage to you. And those are the fights that really test you. I mean, Everybody says this, though, Joe. And it's not his fault he's not getting tested. But at the same time, like, what happens if he never gets tested? Like, if, if he keeps winning fights well, in one, two minutes, then, are, you, are you never going to be sold on the guy? No, then I'll be sold. We've I mean, seen his at, wrestling. At point, We've I, seen his control. We've seen his striking. Yeah, but against against like the level. I mean, you got to think too. I, like someone in my case, okay, I'm gonna use myself as an example. I had minimal experience, and I was fighting these monsters of the sport with no experience. Okay, so I want to see him if he's this true talent. I was one of those people that was came in with six, seven fights and fought someone with a hundred professional fights and knocked them out. So in, in order to impress me, I need to see you do that to someone with high caliber quality. And Gerald Mearshart is not that person for me. Okay. Um, well, what I've if seen what if, a lot what if of guys Maya? Really do it. What if it's Maya? What if it's Anthony Pettis? Like, Maya what, what? doesn't do it for me. Okay. Maya's old. Like Maya's not uh, as durable. Maya's, uh, you know, Maya's past that. I need to see someone a little bit more like, uh, 
who's I, I personally when I thought of a matchup in the welterweight division for some reason Wonderboy Thompson came to my mind. Mm-hmm. If you can do something great against a Wonderboy Thompson, you know, never really you know got a title shot, but still very good striker, good defensive wrestling. Like okay, you knock him out or you have a good performance against someone like that, and then I'm I'm for it. I agree. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to watch him fight. I, I love what he has done so far. And I think you nailed it best that he's this great prospect coming up. But for me to sit here and tell, you know, the world that I think he's going to be the next champion and he deserves top, I just need to see him fight someone in the top of the division and do well. That's where that's what I'm waiting for. I just can't think of a lot of examples of people that have come in and just clobbered UFC caliber fighters in three straight fights. Like, I just I can't think of anybody that's done that and not gone on to greatness. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'm forgetting somebody. Like, I mean, Cody Garbrandt kind of did that, but he became champion. And he's still in the championship. Yeah. He's going for another championship, right? Like, it's not like Cody Garbrandt. I mean, he had, a, he had a bit of a rough tumble at one part of his career, but he was still the real deal. And I think some people would argue that he's still the real deal. But uh, you try to think of people that came out, had three fantastic fights in a row. People, you know, get all this hype behind them. There are three fighters that I was able to find that beat, I think, unranked guys that were ranked, that then went on to be ranked right away after that. One was Francis Ngannou, and we all know how good Francis Ngannou is. Mm-hmm. And the other is Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian had three wins in a row. Um, two of them were like really quick first-round finishes. One was a split decision. Ended up being ranked after that third fight. Um, and he went on to beat Brad Tavares, who was ranked. So it's not like he didn't belong there. But then, of course, he stumbled in his recent fight against Derek Brunson. But yeah. that being said, like... I just don't, I don't. I just don't think there are a lot of examples where you can see somebody like Hamzat, who's really captured the imagination of the entire MMA community, go on to fail right away. Like go on to have, yeah. go. So that's why I make the case the guy should be ranked. I think that he's the way that he's beaten UFC level fighters is enough for me to see that he's up there with the best guys in both of those divisions based on the skills that I think he possesses. Now a lot of people disagree with that. They say you need to beat a ranked person to become a ranked person. But what happens if the ranked people don't want to fight you? Now it looks like that's not going to be an issue. Dana White says he's going to be facing a ranked guy next, and I think that ultimately that's what's going to end up happening. But uh, I just don't know. I don't know what uh, what more we can see. All right, so now you're Dana White. What would you like to see, and how would you kind of build someone like him up? Well, I, I heard I've heard rumblings that Anthony Pettis might be the next opponent. I think that's a perfect fit. I think that makes a lot of sense. Would you be impressed if he beat Anthony Pettis? If he finished Anthony Pettis within two rounds? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. I well, mean, I, at that point, for me, I'm, I would be. I mean, you got to think what Pettis has done. I mean, it's not the Pettis that we're used to, but I still think he's strong. He's durable. He's honestly. I think a little small for him. I mean, we've seen Pettis fight at 155, and then even when you see Pettis at 170, he's still a little chubby. But that's what people you are going to really say next. See him, that's what people are going to say next. He beats Pettis. He's too small. Yeah, he's but, a 55. But, but that is a it's, it's an important factor a factor in fighting that we got to take a, a look at. I mean, I'm looking at someone now like how would he do with against a, a Neil Magny? You know who else was a 55er, Joe, for most of his career? Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns. Right. Do people write him but off him, and say, "Oh, he, he doesn't belong with Usman. He was a 55er." But but if he if he loses huge. if he loses to Usman, then people will be like, "Oh, he was a 55er." It's always it's always after they lose. He's a 55er. Yeah. No, but I'm saying it beforehand. I think Pettis is just a small, you know, 175 fighter. So I mean, I'm looking at someone like Neil Magny. I think would be extremely dangerous for him. Yeah, that would be a tough matchup. Like I think that would be a real. Uh, way for him to prove himself is to beat somebody like Anil Magny, who I think is just so well-rounded, who has big length, who I think will challenge him in, in every anywhere that fight goes. Yeah. 
I even like uh, Vicente Luque. That would be a blasting fight. I yeah. mean, something like that would be very fun to watch. Because he's managed by the same guy. Both guys are managed by the same guy, which can be a problem sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. But looking at the ranking, I saw a fight uh, that was announced today. I don't know if you were going to bring it up, but I'm really excited for this one. Robbie Lawler yep. versus Mike <laughs> Next Perry. Next topic on my list. Mike hey, Perry. Perfect fight. What, what an incredible matchmaking, right? Because it doesn't get better than doesn't that. doesn't get better than that. Because the, whoever wins that fight, it's like, okay, well, they should – they, they – are legit still and you know it's yeah. a great opportunity for Robbie Lawler to bounce back this is the caliber of fighter that he should probably have uh, a good fight against the kind of fight that he embraces not a guy that's going to take him down and grind him and for Mike Perry uh, it would be a massive win for him if he beats Robbie Lawler like it would be do, be great for him to, to kind of bounce back he's had a little bit of a rough stretch although he did just beat Mickey Gall yeah, but that could be something like a Tyron Woodley fight that kind of fight for Woodley would be nice 100%. but I mean I think Robbie Lawler's the experience and the way that, you know, Mike Perry sits in there. It's going to be insane. It's going to be – I mean, I always call it out, but I, I can see really both of those guys not really giving much uh, concern and actually kind of going out there swinging. So hopefully Mike Perry's head's on straight and he's ready to go because he's in for a, a big scrap. And Mike Perry is able to intimidate a lot of people. I don't think he's intimidating Robbie Lawler. <laughs> no, no. I don't think anybody in this world intimidates Robbie Lawler. No, no. What a monster. What a, and it's I can say this. So when I first started um, getting into MMA, the early um, UFCs when I was young, like right now, if someone were to ask me who's my favorite fighter, I don't really have favorite UFC fighters and stuff. Like that. I like watching Isn't it Malcolm Gordon over the other uh, outside of Malcolm Gordon, of course. <laughs> but I mean, uh, when someone used to ask me when I was young, my two favorites would have been Vitor Belfort and Robbie Lawler. Don't like, I mean, when Robbie Lawler was doing his things and I believe in strike yeah, force and even before UFC, like I was a big Robbie Lawler fan. So the first two fighters, I would say that I would really talk about being my favorite were those two guys. Yeah. Well, let's see what Lawler, what Lawler still has left in the gas tank. That'll be a good fight to prove it. Um, I know you need to get going soon. But we have a whole pay-per-view card to talk about. How much time do you have? Uh, let's keep rolling. All right. Hopefully my, uh, they opened up the gym for me and I trust them. So, all right. Uh, Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa main event this weekend. Um, I made the comparison that Costa fights a little bit like Jason Wilness and a little bit like Alex Pereira. Am I am I wrong on that? I mean, you're the you're the person that would be good to defer to on that because you watched you've watched many hours of tape on both those guys. But yeah. when you look at how Costa marches forward, you know how he um, has you know all, he he's got a power game, but he's also got a volume game. Is that a decent comparison, or am I off? Well, I mean, if you actually blend the two, I can see what you're, you're saying. Uh, I mean, Alex Pereira in the last few years has had more of a relaxed power style. So, and Alex Pereira is the one who actually knocked out Israel Adesanya. <laughs> so he has more of a relaxed, flowed style. So it doesn't look like he hits hard, but his timing, his precision, his fluidness, and he keeps his hands down a lot, where Wilness is the opposite. He's that traditional Dutch style so it is a good example mixed between both but uh i just think it's the size and the presence of costa and i think what we're going to see and this is my prediction i think it's going to be a decision win uh personally because wow. I, I feel um adesanya will get the win via decision but what we've seen from adesanya is he doesn't want to take those big risks as champion so i think he's going to take that and really use his footwork, his distance control, try to pick his shots. So I don't think, you know, we're going to get a finish in this fight. Hmm. I, I actually think Israel is going to catch him with a counter at some point. I feel like Israel is going to figure out the timing pretty early on. And then maybe he'll get hit by a shot or two. 
but I think that at some point Israel is going to have figured out the timing and is going to hit them in the right place at the right time. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you you know Israel a lot better than I do in terms of his style, in terms of how he fights, um, and you probably observe things a little bit better than I do in terms of uh, you know the striking game. Not a little bit better, but much better. Um, but I just have a feeling that Israel is going to be able to time this guy because of all the experience he has in kickboxing. If, if this stays on the feet for a good duration of it and Costa doesn't try to make it a messy fight, he tries to stand with him. I think that Izzy's timing is going to be way better than his and he'll yeah. just hit him with the right shot. That being said, Costa's a machine and uh, he marches forward with reckless abandon sometimes and throws big shots, right? And that's, that's hard to deal with no matter how good of a pedigree you have in striking. Yeah, well, even the, the the Yoel Romero fight against Adesanya, as soon as he took that big shot, you saw him slow down a little bit. He didn't put his shots in combinations, a little bit more hesitant. So I think Adesanya's too smart to make some of those errors that I think people expect him to make in this fight. He's not going to sit in the pocket. He's not going to go punch to punch. It doesn't make any sense. But we also saw the way he fought Whitaker. It's easy to use those counter shots, and that is definitely his best chance of winning. A good, you know, angle off, uppercut that, you know, Paulo Costa can't see. But I just think he's going to play it calm. There's a lot of emotion behind this fight, and I think Adesanya with over 100 professional fights will be able to control that emotion and just pick him apart. I think he's going to pick him apart. I, I definitely agree with the picking of the part aspect, but to finish it, I think it's uh, he's got to sit on his punches a little bit, and I think it might be... Uh, a risk to do that. I don't see Adesanya wanting to risk that belt and all the uh, good attention that he's gaining. Uh, Jan Pojovic, Dominic Reyes, co-main event for the uh, vacated light heavyweight title. This is Reyes' fight to lose, in my opinion. I think that his burst, his explosion, is better than anybody else in the division. But Jan's got that veteran savvy. He's also a very good wrestler. Uh, He does have good power. I just think that Reyes is going to be the sharper, younger, better fighter in this fight. And I think that the line kind of indicates that Again, Jan's dangerous. Yeah. Jan can win this fight. But uh, I, I can understand why Reyes is such a big favorite. Oh, yeah. I think his athleticism, his ability to move, his distance control. I think he's got um, all of the aspects to win it. Uh, it's just it's hard to get excited for the light heavyweight championship, to be honest, when John Jones isn't in it. I mean, I'm excited for both of those guys. It's good for the division. But uh, that excitement factor, there's just not there for me. It's just not there for me. But, uh, I mean, I'm hoping Reyes has a good performance, and I hope that fight itself speaks to get people excited uh, back in that division. But, uh, I mean, I just hope for a good fight to get people excited about the division without John Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, that should be all for today, Joe. I mean, I know you gotta get you got to get moving. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on this on this main card, but I, I recall the card being – I mean, we've got Hakeem, who we mentioned uh, earlier – um, against Zubaira Tuhugov. If you want to touch on that one quickly, um, I don't know why Dawadu's the uh, underdog in this fight. I think that he should be the favorite. I, I think that one of the one of the worst things that happened to Tuhugov is that he won that last fight by knockout because he's gonna, he's going to feel like he's gonna he's gonna be able to hang with Hakim on the feet, and I, I don't think that would be a good idea. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I know Malcolm Gordon and Hakeem are good friends and they've been talking out. So I've been kind of hearing kind of the stuff they've been working on. Hakeem's been working on. Uh, I won't say it in here, but oh, that's a good idea. I feel it's a, it's a good strategy. Uh, I'm excited to see um, the stuff that he's been talking with Malcolm really play out. Cause uh, to be honest, we need a Canadian to start doing well. Well, he's been five been in a row. The best luck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's row. the guy that has to lead us, uh, you know, and get us going because, uh, I know when Malcolm's back in November 28th, we'll get another win there. And, uh, 
Let's keep going because I mean we had a little disappointing uh, last them. show with TJ. Win- Windsor Laring, didn't right? look great last weekend. Yeah, I mean you, no. you saw what happened with Randa Marcos trying to grapple with Mackenzie Dern, which I that, that yeah. boggles the mind. And then uh, TJ Laramie like basically jumps right into Minner's best weapon right off the top. Like you know Minner. Like I was talking about this with Dan Tom. Uh, we do our preview show before an event. I should have you on that one. Do you want to join? Do you want to jump on with us on Saturday before the event? Are you around? Uh, Saturday, I'm actually at one of my uh, fighters' house. Okay. My up and coming guys, we're doing a last uh, summer barbecue for us. All right. Well, we should that we should do that another time. I should have you no, on with, with Dan Tom. But uh, yeah, Dan and I were talking about that Minner and, and Laramie fight, and I said, "Hey, if you think Minner has a shot at this fight, take him by submission. It was plus five forty, and there you go. Lo and behold, yeah. plus five forty. And I, I got a question. And I liked you? Damon uh, Damon Jackson by by submission too. And he was plus nine twenty five by submission, and that's how he beat Nearsan Beckett. You got it. Where's your question? My question to you is, what's going on with this? Uh, replay watching during the fight and i'm sure you have a good opinion with this jessica rose clark situation well, i don't think anybody knows what's going on or knows how to implement it but that was a, a complete disgrace and Big uh time. and uh, listen she lost at that at that point in time in my opinion if i'm the referee that fight is over eyes are rolled yes. back into her head then you go look at the she's replay. She's sitting on a chair. She's sitting on a chair. What you do is you call that fight, you wave it off, and then you say, you haven't won yet, I'm going to, the, to look at the replay. You look at the replay, as soon as you determine that's a legal strike, Jessica Rose Clark wins. If it's not a legal strike, it's a no contest. Done. Period. Yeah. That's it. And the poor she, girl she shouldn't have been able to continue system. either way. Let's say, it was, yeah. let's say it was an illegal strike. Let's say he determined right away, okay, that was an illegal strike. You you would never let that girl continue. You would look at her for one minute and see that she's completely out of it, and you'd call that fight off and call it an, either a no yeah. contest or a DQ. You can go either way on it. But I mean that having her restart that fight, like and, dude, in that position too, you can and in the same in position, the, in you the can't same do position that. Too. Like you're yeah. if you're in charge of fighter safety, you cannot put a fighter in that position. Yeah. And then her corner has to get criticized because they didn't call the fight off, which they should have. But yeah. it's totally on the referee. I'm not blaming her corner at all. That's no, the referee's, the corner that's that. the referee's yeah. fault. The corner's probably like, oh, she's got another shot here. They, yeah. they all believe they're in their fighter. Corners are supposed to believe sure. in their fighter under any circumstance. But God, yeah. that, was, that was painful to watch. Yeah, and I've heard he's had a track record too with some bad calls and well, decisions Well, he was the one the well. previous week with uh, the Ed Herman and Mike Rodriguez. He was the same oh, ref. Oh, the same one? Same guy. Oh, I, didn't even know, I didn't even know that. Wow. So this, yeah, this dude's having a bad couple think. weeks, and he shouldn't be refereeing yeah. for a while. Like, Chris, yeah. Tog- Chris Tognoni, I wrote this on Twitter. Chris Tognoni has had a history of being a competent ref in the past. Like, he's not a bad ref. But when you have two performances like that, you need to take a break. Like, just walk away for, like, a month or two. Maybe do judging or something. But, like, you should not be in there if, you, if in two consecutive weeks you're basically screwing up the same situation. Yeah, and I hear a lot of the you know people talking, and the one who gets the penalty a lot of time is the fighters. I mean, we have to just do a little, be a little bit better, understand the technology, like we talked about with the Rodriguez fight. We have the technology. Like, I don't think it should be bad that the referee at that time should talk to the head of the commission and maybe have a little discussion, a little two second mic talk, and being like, "Hey, let's converse like the NFL does when there's a problem." A bunch of referees get together and they discuss what the outcome is going to be. 
Maybe that's the solution. Have someone sitting up top looking at the footage and giving the referee the answer of what the right call should be. And I don't think that's, you know, a wrong decision. More eyes, more people. It's just going to give you the better decision and take that stress away from that one referee. Yeah. If you're the referee that in that situation, what you do is he called a timeout, which is the right thing to do. Call time. Yeah. Look at look at Alpar. Then wave it off and say, we're going to look at the replay. That's how you do it. My, did he look at the main? Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't see him leave the cage. So how did he get? How did he look at the footage? Did he look up at know. the arena screen to see it and then made the decision? Then and then like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's yeah. just it was the wrong decision. Whatever he did, he did yeah. it wrong because th- there's no way yeah. that that girl should have had to fight another second of that fight. It, that was disgraceful, and that can take years off of her life and years off of her career. And I I don't want to ever see something like that again. It was uncomfortable to watch, and uh, I I'm upset that uh, that we had that that situation happened. Like I was I was red hot. You can see it's coming out of me now, Joe. But like yeah, I don't I like. Can, can you imagine that was your sister or something or somebody you train with mm-hmm. or somebody you know? Like and the referee saying you got to go back in there. Like you just lost. They just lost. Like they just they're out of it. And didn't they start changing the rules as the the fight was going on or something like that? They just don't have Wasn't the rules. It's supposed like, to nobody... be a fight ending sequence. They can look at the camera. Well, that's what so I that's don't know. You're saying. Because the, been... the commission sent out um, – hey, I can tell you what the commission wrote. Hang on. I can pull it up right here. I have it. I can pull it up in just, just one moment because I have it in, te- in a text message that I can look up uh, here. So they said – it was a legal strike. They paused the fight because they thought it was a knee to a grounded opponent. They went to the replay and confirmed that it was a legal strike. The fight was never officially stopped. Sarah Alpar was asked if she could continue and if she wanted to continue, and she said yes. Under NSAC rules, the bout can continue after replay since the fight was only temporarily paused and never officially stopped. He was, uh, okay, and that's it. So, But wasn't the language that if they look at the camera, the fight is over? I don't know if it's the same in Nevada, but if that's what they say... Still, even if even if that's that is the rule, even if if you can call a timeout and you and you don't need to stop the fight, you look at the replay and then you determine it and then you resume, that fight shouldn't have been resumed. She was done. That fight's yeah, over. But, call but the it. The fact that they even let her sit on a stool. Why is she allowed to sit on a stool while if it's they're making a timeout? She's getting yeah. a break sitting. Yeah, down. exactly. Like I don't understand. What if that fight? What if she was winning the fight and then that knee happened? And then what's the situation? You're just we're lucky. Jessica Rose Clark was the one in the good situation. But if it was the opposite, and you know she was you know winning the fight and then took the knee, I mean it's just so much controversy. They really need to iron this out. Yeah. Well, in the words of Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men, call it, ref. You got to call it. There you go. I don't know the movie reference. Can't help you there. It's a great movie. You should check it out. It's from uh, probably 10, 15 years ago. Who knows how long. It's a Coen Brothers movie. You know the Coen Brothers? I know them, yeah. But they won uh, They won an award, No Country for Old Men. I think Isn't probably. It, it was best a great picture. movie. I thought, it, I thought it got Best Picture. Maybe. Worth seeing. In fact, almost every Coen Brothers movie is worth seeing. Have you seen Fargo before? Uh, I believe so can't the problem is now i watch so many things that i can't tell you what they're about anymore yeah. okay well a lot of times it's like hey you're going to fight island so i end up watching a whole series on a plane and then at the end i'm half asleep and i don't know what happened <laughs> in the series so i gotta watch back a lot of different series well there you go but uh yeah great mm-hmm. movie worth checking out you gotta go teach some classes appreciate your time joe that's it let's get to our first right, guest we'll see you next week yep israel adesonia joins us now on the tsnmma show 
I'm joined by the undisputed middleweight champion of the world, the undefeated Israel Adesanya, taking on Paulo Costa. It's in Fight Island. What do you think about going down to Fight Island, Israel? Is that a, an interesting uh, quest for you? I know you've traveled the world doing kickboxing, but is this a unique situation at all for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. With the state of the world, it's, it's definitely a unique situation. And when the talks of Fight Island was happening, I was one of the first people to be like, yo, I'm down. So I'm glad to be fighting on Fight Island. It's a fantastic opportunity between two undefeated fighters. Walk me through what it means to be undefeated in MMA versus like kickboxing, boxing. The last time two champions, uh, sorry, two fighters have been undefeated in a championship fight was 19, uh, sorry, 2009. So it's been a long time. Um, as somebody who has, I guess, both dialects. Yeah. Walk me through that. Um, I never really think about the fact that I'm undefeated a lot because I get my ass kicked in the gym all the time. So it's never really something that you see me write or post or associate with my name. But I guess in the sport of mixed martial arts, I am undefeated. Um, but yeah, I don't really think about it often, to be honest, because I've lost in kickboxing. And after my first loss, uh, my friend, shout out to VDK, um, he said, uh, I've lost many times, but I remain undefeated. And that was a quote that stuck with me. So even after my first loss, my second loss in kickboxing, I never really felt defeated. So, yeah, I never really attached myself to that whole undefeated thing, like I said, because I, I get my ass handed to me in the gym all the time. I spoke to Tyron Woodley yesterday, the former welterweight champion of the world. He was talking about how being a champion had a, a toxic effect on his life. He was uh, being invited to all kinds of red carpets, getting pulled in all kinds of different directions, and it, it really kind of distracted him. Right now, you're staying in the dorms, or at least you were staying in the dorms uh, with your training partners who are going to be on these cards, uh, kind of going back to your roots as a, as a fighter without all of the bells and whistles of being champion. Was that by design? Uh, I would say... By design, that's a good question. Was that by design? I don't say by design, but I'd say like uh, just having the right people around you, having the right people around you to to pull you up on your shit. Cause, and also not being in Hollywood, not living in LA, that helps. There's a reason I don't live in Vegas, or there's a reason I didn't come train in Vegas as, as a youngster, because I know as a young, impressionable Israel, I definitely wouldn't have um, just stuck to my guns and done what I'd done. That's why I moved to China for a little bit and racked up some some XP points over there, some experience. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I can kind of see what Tyrone said because I have the same thing, not just for me, but for people around me um, because they're so close to me. They have people trying to hang on to them as well. But yeah, it's it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation being champion. But for me, I'm used to it. I've always been used to it. What part of it is different? I mean, I remember you talked about how uh, before you fought for the, I believe it was the interim championship, you kind of sat down, I think it was at a park or something, to kind of enjoy your anonymity while you had it. Uh, has, has that changed at all for you? Are, are you a pretty public figure now when you're walking around? I know we're wearing masks for the most part, so you can kind of get away with it. Yeah, that's one thing I like about the whole runner is the social distancing and the mask, so I can kind of still hide. But even in New Zealand, it's not really that crazy with the whole runner. So um, I am a bit of a public figure. I get stopped in places, you know, every other block. Um, but I, I manage to protect my own my own space, my own bubble. Um, I look after myself because I have a right to. And yeah. 
I'm all good. Uh, I enjoy life. I still walk around the park bare feet. I'm just a regular dude who does the irregular things. Is he Paulo Costa keeps talking about how he wants to bring the fight to you? You know, your fight with Romero was considered a bit of a stalemate, and that can impact reputations. Uh, is this the kind of fight that you relish, knowing your striking background, which you've become known for, is your fantastic striking, where a guy is going to try to walk forward and, and try to challenge you in that regard? Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. He's a guy that, you know, just marches forward with his peanut brain and swings for the fences, which is what I like. Uh, and, yeah, I've been through this before. Heaps of times in kickboxing, this is no different. He might shoot for a takedown, though. Once he starts to feel my, my, um, my speed, my reaction, and my pop and my punches, he'll understand that this is different to what he expected, and he might shoot. And then he'll get surprised as well. I think that's a part of your game you're looking forward to showing off, is the wrestling element. Everybody says, ah, just take this guy down and have your way with him. Not that easy, and we've seen that so far. Yeah, yeah it's not that easy. And I'm looking forward to someone actually trying to keep me down or trying to grapple with me. He might be the first one, but I kind of look forward to it because he's really good at striking. I want to go strike for strike, blow for blow for, with this guy, and he can understand the levels. This is levels to the Leading up to this fight right now, when you're in bed at night and you're thinking, what are you thinking about? Not this fight. I'm just watching Netflix um, and sometimes on the gram in my friend's group chat. Uh, masturbating. <laughs> Timmy made me say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find it unsettling that someone who you're sharing a dorm with was the one who said that that's what you do at night. Just saying. Oh, it's all right. We're all brothers. He knows the vibe. All right, well, this is a fantastic matchup. It's two undefeated fighters. Yourself, Paulo Costa. Again, the last time that's happened is 11 years ago. We're looking forward to this one. Thank you for joining me. It's Israel, Mobology, Temetayo, Odunayo, Oluwafemi, Oluwabi, Adesonya. I haven't practiced it in a while. Did I get it? Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got Oluwabi. It's Oluwabi, but that's high five. Bang. Again. Good job. Good job. I respect I that. feel bad you that I missed that last part. Oh, Wallabi. I'm going to get that nah, next time. Nah, you'll get it. Nah, respect. <laughs> Trust me. That's The people of Nigeria will appreciate that. Respect. Thank you. The work never stops for Paulo the Eraser Costa. He's on the bike right now as we talk. You're multitasking. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. I'm here working out because this is not fight week yet. So I need to keep the work, the work uh, going on. Thank you. I appreciate to be here. Thank you to have me here also. Now, my pleasure. You know, you work so hard to get your body a certain way. And you've got Israel always saying that uh, you're not getting tested by USADA and all that. Is that insulting to you? I mean, you, you do all this work so that you look a certain way and you, you can have a specific build. Does it bother you when people try to diminish that and take that away from you? You know, it's a joke to me. But it's all what he, he have. He has to say about me, but I need to say I have a great team by my side, the best of the best. I have good doctors, good uh, trainers, good condition and physical trainers. I have, uh, you know, a bunch of very, very high quality people around me. And uh, I believe I have a uh, some kind of genetics that help me and uh, 
I love to to train and work out. So I think when you put all these all these ingredients on the same bowl and mix it, you have a, a great result. That's why. And the people will know more about me right now. The people sometimes the people don't don't understand like a uh, this guy, like a uh, designer, skinny guy, he say, How this guy can how Paul can Got get here on the cage with so so good performance and look so good like a bodybuilder as you say. That's why because I trained very hard. I never stop. I'm here on the back right now. Do what I I love to do, and so happy because on uh, in, in one more week I will fight. You know I will <laughs> I will raise that guy. Everybody can see. Live, so I am a blessed guy. I'm very blessed. God is with me, and I feel blessed to be here and do what I love to do. That's that's enough to me. I spoke to you after the Uriah Hall fight, and also after the Yoel Romero fight. And one thing I've noticed about you is you seem really obsessed with how you've performed. Like you really look back, and I can tell that you you are trying to figure out what, you know what mistakes you made, what you did well. Do you go back and watch all of your old fights and say, I could have done that better, I could have done that better? Are you constantly trying to improve your performance by looking at it and finding ways to improve? Yes, of course. This, uh, this is very important. This is essential to compete on very, very high level. Very high level. Uh, I am always look for my, back, my, my past to see what I can change to be better fighter. And I have improved also. I have improved uh, constantly this, this stuff. I'm doing my things, uh, fixing the, the mistakes, and go forward. One other thing I noticed at your media day is you had your statistics yeah. up. You had your numbers, how many significant strikes per minute, uh, how many significant strikes absorbed, and all, and all of that, your accuracy. Are those things that you constantly are looking at as well, and, and you're saying um, how, how you're doing in those, in those departments? Yes. When you see, when you see the, the numbers, you can realize what kind of fight I am. <laughs> you know, a lot of punches per, per minute, and with good, you know, I, I mean, with one... I have one of the best accuracy on this game, on my division. So it's not a good thing be with me inside the cage, with cage locked, with one guy very powerful with arms, gloves on your hands, you know, and through punch and kicks on your body, in your face, with a lot of accuracy and with almost nine shots per minute. And I mean, I need to say, Again, it's not just touch punch, it's hard punch to take you, your head off. So, man, you need to be, <laughs> you need to be on great day to, to, to take a lot of shots and not go fall down. Now, I'm going to do some math because you said it's about almost nine shots per minute and you're landing over 50% accuracy. So that means you're throwing probably about 17 shots per minute. When you when you do the math there, that's a lot of output. I mean, that's uh, I think it's 85 strikes per round is what you're attempting. Can you keep that up over the course of five rounds? I mean, we're talking close to 500 uh, strikes over the course of five rounds. Yeah, I can because I do this on my 
training for a long time, for four months. I, I have been training, you know, with my partners uh, and doing that for five rounds. Of course, on the five, on, on the last two rounds, maybe this this going a little bit down, you know, my last shot for me, I mean, but doesn't matter, you know, I maybe go almost nine to seven. So it's still a very right number. So uh, I do this on my sparring, my training camps with big gloves, 18 ounce gloves, 16 ounce gloves. And when I remove the big gloves and put the four ounce gloves to fight, every, everything changed. I got more energy, I got my power, my powerful on my, my, my shots, and that's why I have so good results on the real fights, on the, you know, on the official fights. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I had some problems with that because my hand got a lot of impact, you know, and I, I, I had some injuries on the past, but I have the best doctor with me, the best physiotherapist, I have Dr. Dan, he came to this trip with us, Dr. Superstar Danny, and he's amazing, he's helped me a lot to keep healthy to fight. So, and uh, I, 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 I do some good things to recover my injuries also, so I put my, my hand inside the, the ice bath, you know, uh, after very after our practice. So, you know, uh, when you have a lot of power from your hands and you hit too and you hit too much on your trains on on these stuff, of course you you, you got some injury. So, but uh, I I think me and my team is doing a very very well job work on this treatment after training and before training and doing the training house as well of course i feel great did you watch basketball when you were a kid i have a i have a weird question for you sorry did you watch basketball when you were growing up at all do you know about basketball did you watch ball? uh sometimes i i not you know how how can you uh know i have not a lot of time to, to watch on this few months ago but I love basketball. I was on Lakers game on 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 LA uh, last year. It was it was very nice. The reason try. I bring it up, there was a basketball player named Isaiah Thomas, and he when he was a baby, like a kid, he used to dribble a tennis ball. The only toy he had was a tennis ball, and because he was good at dribbling a tennis ball, when he got a big basketball, he was it was so easy for him. Is that why when you're doing your practicing, you're using the big heavy gloves? Because then when you have the four ounce gloves, it's just so much easier for you to to put out such a high output since you're used to doing it with heavier gloves exactly there look there look this <laughs> i use this on my my, my trainings also you understand to keep uh the motion to keep the reflex good so i can use this to do some some little tricks to keep the focus on the small things and when i use the big gloves you should be able to protect my hands and should be able to throw to throw punch with a lot of weight on my hand. And when I let all these weights to put small gloves on my hands, I, I become more, more powerful, 
more fast than before. So that's why I like to use big gloves to training and small gloves to kill somebody on the cage. <laughs> you're an impressive man, Paulo Costa. You're juggling while riding a bike right now and doing an interview. You're doing three things at once. That's pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> so with Israel Adesanya, you know, he's a world-class level kickboxer. Uh, he never became the champion in glory, but a fantastic kickboxer. And you're saying that you want to move forward. You want to pressure him. You want to, um, you know, try to take him out of his game plan. Uh, do you think that that's a, a wise move given his striking pedigree? Or do you think that maybe grappling with him might be a, a more advantageous for you? Yes. Uh, we, we all know he has a lot of good skills on jiu-jitsu and grappling and wrestling. I am black belt. I'm. I came from jiu-jitsu before training, boxing, kickboxing stuff. I have a good, uh, good. Uh, uh, how do I say? It's like I have a ground. I have a ground game. I have a lot, a, a good ground game, and on the ground the pound also. My ground the pound is terrifying. You know, is man, is crazy because. Imagine all my weight going uh, above to down, you know, uh, up to down with elbows and punch. So he need to he need to stay, uh, figure out about my skills on grappling out as well. But he never faced a monster like me. Homer is a monster as well. But I'm a, a, a different guy because I'm young. I'm younger. Than Homer, so my guess is better than him. My power is better than him, also. But he's uh, Homer is still a monster. But man, I decided never face a kind of animal like me. Never, not not uh, nobody like me on glory kickboxing. Nobody on UFC. So I I cannot knock him out. Also, you know I will. Bring the fight, bring the action, you know, the guys can be safe because I will bring the action on this fight. I will not let him just run away as he did against Homer. I will make this fight interesting. I will make, I will make the real entertainment for the people. Be safe, be cool. I will not let this fight be boring. And finally, you talk about all the different doctors that you have and, and people that are doing, you know, uh, work on your physical game. In terms of your mental game, do you have a sports psychologist? Do you do anything like that to make sure that you're sharp mentally for these fights that uh, gives you a bit of a step up or, or an edge? I have some people, but I usually don't I, I usually don't uh, do a, a lot of sessions because I'm more focused on my my specific training, you know, boxing, boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and physical training. So I have not a lot of time to do that, but I appreciate, I like when I have a, uh, some, sometimes like a, one time on the month, I do some speech with them, but it's not too much. I think it's more about me. I born with this mentality, very confident on myself, and they train to make me more confident than, than the, the normal, you know, you, you can understand me, you know. Well, you know? This is a very special championship fight. It's two undefeated fighters, the first time in 11 years. Yourself, Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion. It's in Abu Dhabi, uh, UFC 253. Thank you for this. Really appreciate it, Paulo. And uh, I appreciate the juggling and the biking and talking to me at the same time. Very, very impressed.
Thank you, my brother. That, that's me. That's what I do always. Thank you very much. I'm now joined by a man who might be the new UFC light heavyweight champion in one week from today. The belt has been relinquished by John Jones, uh, vacated by John Jones, rather. And you've got uh, Jan Bojovic on your hands. Uh, tell me about Jan. Why, why do you think this is a good matchup for you? Uh, it's a great matchup. Uh, I'm younger. Um, uh, faster. Um, I've been in a championship fight, and uh, he likes to, he likes to bang, man. He likes to throw punches. He likes to fight, and I, I enjoy the same. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun fight. I think it's gonna be really fun. Um, I know at some point he's gonna try to take me down. They always do, but uh, yeah, I'll make him pay. Do you think that when you say you're faster than him, that you're the fastest guy in the division? I mean, are there is there anybody whose speed you think compares to yours at light heavyweight? Um, in terms of footwork and speed and movement, no, not at all. What about I'm explosive? In a of my own. Oh, there's plenty of very explosive guys. Um, there's Johnny Walker, who's very explosive. There's Jerry. Jerry's very explosive. Um, Yan is actually very explosive himself. So uh, yeah, we'll. We'll see what happens, you know. I, I win this fight, and then I'll have the opportunity to prove it. Do you feel like you have to scout everybody in the division now? I mean, as somebody who's expecting to be the champion, I'm sure like you are um, after this fight, do you have your eye on every single person in the division and, and kind of in your head walk through what a matchup like them would be like? Um, honestly, I've been doing that since before I got in the UFC. I've been very well aware of all my competition all around me. It's just as I've moved up the ranks, the names have gotten a little bigger, and... Uh, the the skill level of these guys has improved so yeah it's something i've always done um i guess it comes from just scouting from you know american football and just being aware of what's out there and what you're up against and what you might come up against and uh you know be aware of what's out there so you could prepare to be the best and face everyone on most nights tiago is also very very explosive as well sorry sorry about that on most nights when you're going to bed um what are you thinking about most often? Like, what, what's going through your mind? <laughs> All kinds of different stuff, man. It could, it, could be, it could be about training. It could be about that day of work. It could be about, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, my, so when I signed this fight, my dad had just got corona, and he uh, had, had, like, the really bad version where his lungs were shutting down, and he had uh, to get on a respirator, and it, it was really bad. So I was worried about that for a little bit. Um, but most nights when I go to bed, I I just think about what I have to do the next day, and then I go to sleep. I mean, there's not a lot of – I don't think a whole lot before I go to bed. So when do you do most of your thinking? Like when are you visualizing uh, what it's going to be like in the cage and, and what your path is going to be like? Do you think that far ahead? Oh, yeah. Um, that happens just – I'll just daydream randomly throughout the day. I'll – when I sleep, I, I have dreams of the fight, and I have even adrenaline rushes in my in my in my sleep. I wake up all sweaty because <laughs> I, I went through a fight in my in my dreams. Uh, but yeah, I visualize this fighting Yan, you know, probably, probably thousands of times by now. And I mean, it all ends up the same way, man. I got my hand raised. I, I've finished them every way in the book. But at the end of the day, the only thing that really makes me feel good and alive is having my hand raised and having that belt around me do you ever lose in your dreams i mean we can't control our dreams 
No, I, I don't. I really don't. I'll get hit pretty good. I'll get like, I'll get in trouble, but I always find a way to make make it work. Well, you're a positive guy. It doesn't seem like anything ever shakes you. You're pretty unflappable. Even after the Jones loss, you were like, well, it's nothing I could control. On to the next thing. Uh, is there anything that, that bothers you in life? Like, is are you ever at the supermarket and you see somebody in the express line and they've got more groceries than they're supposed to have? Like, anything <laughs> like that? Anything bug you? Uh, Not really, man. Uh, I guess... I, I take all my frustrations out in the gym and it's not really a lot of frustrations. It's just pent up testosterone and aggression that I get out. But I, I guess the things that frustrate me, uh, probably just terrible drivers when I'm driving around and people are going like 20 miles under the speed limit. And I'm like, what's, what's going on here? Or there's like two, two, it's a two lane highway and there's just diesels racing each other going like, like 55. <laughs> Come on guys. Make up your minds. Who who's gonna suck worse? <laughs> That's just mostly like stuff like that, like little little dumb things. It doesn't like like it just it's just frustrating because I gotta be somewhere. So so people that are messing with your schedule, are you are you the type of person that likes to be right on time or early or late or oh, yeah. how do you usually roll? So uh, like the stigma is like most Mexican people are late for everything, but uh, since my brothers were always late all the time, my older brothers. Like, I I pride myself on being on time to to everything. So yeah, I I I like to be on time. I do like to be on time. So next time I interview UFC fighter Alex Reyes, I should expect that he's a couple minutes late. He'll probably be a little bit late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier. I guess on a on a tougher note, your dad you mentioned was on a respirator. How's he doing now? He's doing better. Um, I found a, a treatment for him out here in California. Well, in California, uh, Dr. Bennett, um, methylene blue. It ended up making my dad feel a lot better. You know, we had he got off the respirator, and I'm super grateful for that. My manager Tiki goes and helped uh, connect us with Dr. Bennett. So, damn, it was it was very 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 scary. Like, I mean, nobody wants to lose their parents or their family, you know, and my dad was not in a good place at all. And just recently, I haven't seen my, my family, my parents, for about almost two months now. So that's something that kind of weighs a little bit on me. I, I do miss them. They're a huge part of my life, and I, I usually spend a lot of time with them. But for this camp, I, I couldn't spend any time with them. So is it mostly FaceTime that you're communicating with them through? Yeah, FaceTime and just phone calls. But it's not the same. There's nothing like hugging your mom, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't hugged my parents since, whatever, March. I feel you on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a tough time. I mean, do you feel like people aren't taking this thing seriously enough when you see what your dad went through? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no, man. Um, it's just like any other sickness, man. It affects everybody differently. I mean, some people die from the flu. Some people don't. You know, it's kind of reminds me of that in a, in a sense. But it is, it's a serious thing. But it's the same thing with the flu, like the regular flu or the cold. Like, if you're sick, don't go outside. Like, don't go shaking hands. Don't, don't go freaking trying to interact with people and go to bars. And, like, it's the same thing. People are going to just do whatever they want to do anyway. And it's, it's a very ignorant way of living. But uh, it is what it is. We can only protect ourselves, wear our masks. You know, don't shake hands and all those things. But uh, 
yeah, it's unfortunate that people that are sick and know they're sick are are still actively doing going out and interacting with people. It's just it's ridiculous to me. The last time the UFC were on Fight Island, there weren't really any instances that we had heard of of uh, any positive tests that happened on the island. Are you happy about that? The fact that you're going to be in a place that should be secure in terms of uh, keeping the virus under control? Well, absolutely. Um, it's very important. We're fighting, you know, where we're exhausting our, our, our immune systems and our, our, our lung capacities. Where, you know, you need full lung capacity. You need you to be completely healthy. Otherwise, you're... I mean, it's not, you're not going to win. I mean, you might, but when you're going five rounds, you need every ounce of energy you have. And if you were to get sick, I mean, that would, it would be terrible. And I heard, you know, Abu Dhabi is like, the way they did Fight Island, it's like one of the safest places on earth in terms of the COVID uh, situation. Pretend you don't know what today's date is. If I were to ask you how long ago your fight with John Jones is, again, not knowing like how, how long does it feel date. like how long does it feel like it's been since you fought John Jones? Given what's gone on in this world, uh, man, uh, it, it feels like it's been about six months. Yeah, I think that's about the time. Uh, but there's been so much crazy shit going on, man. Like what the heck? My poor state of California is burning. Like it's that's horrible. Like there's so many so many different like new new plague new plague new plague like it's like something crazy is happening i don't know what's going on but just try to remain a good person be happy as much as i can and focus on you know the future so it feels like time has been going by at the the rate that it should be going yeah but just with added catastrophes <laughs> what's next locusts uh, that already happened actually locusts did happen and <laughs> Uh, Arizona. There was a whole swarm of locusts. Yeah, it's not a whole lot of fun. All of these uh, these different things. Uh, looking uh, looking back at that fight, though, do you feel like that's a fight that the UFC uh, was trying to make? Uh, and if so, why do you think John uh, didn't end up uh, going forward with it and, and wanted to vacate the title? Do you have any insight on that? Um, the UFC did want to make that fight. That was like a whole. We were, we were we were trying to make it happen, man. I was I was even doing the best I could on social media. I'm not I'm not the best trash shocker. I'm not it's not really what I'm about, but I was still trying my best to, you know, trash talk and you know, poke the bear as you will in order to get the fight. But uh I don't I think he just I think he's just hedging his bets. You know. The the times are changing. Uh we're all getting much better. And uh I, I do believe that he's realized that his time was coming at light heavyweight, so he decided to go out on his own terms. You know, who doesn't want to go out on their own terms, right? Like, I'm going to do it my way and not be forced out or, or lose and then everybody, you know what I'm saying? So I commend him. You know, he, he gets to do it on his terms and uh, the show must go on. Is it smart? I mean, heavyweight has historically been a, um, an older division, so to speak. Do you think that that was a smart move on his mm -hmm. part to to stay in, oh, to go to an older division? Yeah, older, a uh, little bit, you know, slower. You know, he's the footwork isn't isn't really there yet. I mean, Steve has got great footwork. Don't get me wrong, Steve is a beast. But like, in terms of like competition and all that, it's he he's fitting right in. He's getting older, and it's it's he'll slide right in and do well. 
I can tell you're getting a lot of messages right now. Who's trying to reach you? Uh, I think Fox Sports Mexico because I have the interview after you, but they're calling early, so <laughs> it's it's your time, not theirs. All right. Well, I, I will bid you adios and uh, allow them to have the floor with you. Uh, thank you so much, Dominic. Appreciate this, and uh, best of luck. The vacant heavyweight, uh, light heavyweight title, rather yourself, Jan Bojovic, uh, next weekend on Fight Island. Uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thank you. Have a great day. It's fight week in Abu Dhabi, UFC 253. The only Canadian on the card is Hakeem Dawadu, and he joins us now, trying to extend his win streak to five wins, taking on Zubaira Tuhugov. It's 4 a.m. there. I mean, what kind of schedule are you on right now, given that the fights are taking place so early in the morning? Yeah, man, I've been, like, going to bed at 6 o'clock in the evening and then waking up at 2 a.m. in the morning to get my uh, to get my schedule all fixed up. I'm guessing they have good blackout curtains in the hotel rooms? Yeah, good blackout curtains. Um, it's completely blacked out here. I've been able to get some good sleep. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm already used to the schedule, so it's actually been no problem. I adjusted really quickly. I was watching one of your previous scrums. Um, I guess it was probably after your last fight, and you were saying you were hoping to get a striking-based fighter next, but they put you up against a guy who is mostly known for his grappling. Uh, do you like this matchup regardless? Is this a matchup you think is favorable for you? This is a perfect matchup. I think uh, this matchup is going to show all, all the diversity in my skill. And at the end of the day, I have enough skill that I can I can force it to my game plan and, and make it the type of fight I want to make it. And uh, he's got a really big name, and I think uh, this is a good fight to uh, you know get a big KO and uh, and uh, grow my name and uh, broaden my followers. This is a question you don't normally ask somebody, but is it almost good that he got a knockout in his last fight because he's going to be more confident with his hands? And of course, that's that's your area code. Definitely. I think he's coming in confident. I think he's going to be good. But at the same time, I think uh, once he gets tired, once he feels some of my power, once he uh, you know, sees my technique and my skill, he's going to shoot. So I'm, I'm expecting him to stand for a while, but I know, of course, eventually he's going to go for that takedown. You mentioned once he gets tired. We have seen him slow down as fights go on. There was a fight against Laurent Murphy, his first fight back after a, about a three-year hiatus from the uh, UFC. <laughs> Uh, due to a, a positive USADA test uh, from years prior. Um, and he, he tended to slow down. As the fight went on, he got more and more tired. That's not something that usually happens to you. Is that kind of the game plan? Is that, you know, as this gets into deeper waters, you drown him? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if I don't put him away early, as, as the waters go deeper and deeper, everybody knows I only get stronger and stronger. So that's definitely something I've been looking at. And, uh, you know, I, I got good cardio. Everybody knows that. And I'm just going to come and push the pace and... Uh, and really bring that pressure to him. Have you had a chance to meet Izzy yet? I know you guys are managed by the same team, but uh, you guys both have uh, Nigerian roots, and I'm, I wasn't sure if you had met him prior to this particular trip. Uh, before this fight, no, I didn't meet him, but, you know, I met him in Vegas. I've been meeting him all in the hallway, all in the hotel. We've had numerous chats. I'm sure after the fight we're going to have numerous chats as well, so it's, it's been a nice uh, time to meet the champ and, uh, you know, pick his brain a bit. And after your last fight, you mentioned you were going to meet your half-brother. How did that go? It went good, man. I met him in New York. He was super chilling, you know. Uh, even though we've never met each other, we're quite similar. And, uh, you know, it was just a good experience. I think someone had asked you if uh, if he looked up to you, and you mentioned that he was an engineer. <laughs> so that, that's kind of an interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely a smart kid. So we're lucky enough to uh, do a feature with you. It's going to air on SportsCenter later this week, uh, and we're really looking forward to that. Uh, what was that experience like, uh, getting to shoot that and uh, and, you know, have the focus on you and your story? Yeah, it was cool, man. It was interesting. There's a lot of cameras, you know, it took, I think, like three days, you know what I mean? It was a lot of work, but uh, I haven't even seen what, it, what it's going to look like yet. You know, I'd like to 
check it out before it gets released. But, you know, it was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting experience, and I'm glad they took the time to get to know me. Well, you and I both, I texted the producer today and said, you know, how's it coming along? I want to see a raw cut. And he said he wasn't there yet. But once I get something, I will send it to <laughs> Tim. I don't want to bother you during fight week, but Tim can bother you as much as he wants. That's, that's his job. But exactly. I'll make sure it's in his yeah. hands. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'd like to check it out. Yeah, so it, what does that mean to you to be, uh, I guess, have the spotlight on you on Canadian television? I know a lot of people have followed your career. Uh, does it feel like you've arrived yet? When does, it, when does it really click in that you are on the biggest stage right now? Um, when I'm on the biggest stage, uh, I don't know. I don't really kind of focus on that. Like when, when I, the way I see it, like um, right now, I'm just focusing on the fight. That's what's most important. But I, I guess when I feel like I've made it is when I got the big mansion and the nice house, and I'm rich and famous. So for right now, I'm just still in ground mode and working my way to the top. And for this particular fight, uh, you travel to Fight Island. I know that previously, when you were doing uh, Muay Thai and, and travel, you were traveling the world. Does, it, does this feel familiar to you? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, back in my uh, amateur days, you know, I was kind of close here before I fought in Iran, you know, not too far from here. But, yeah, it's nice to, you know, have an exotic trip and, and travel far, you know, minus all the crazy precautions with uh, COVID and all that. But it's it's definitely, uh, it's been an interesting experience and I'm definitely going to remember this for sure. I'm guessing this flight was probably nicer than the ones you did when you were traveling for amateur kickboxing? Oh, yeah, this the first class and the, the treatment, the food and... The hospitality was, was, you know, nothing I've experienced before. So it was definitely uh, a lot. Even though it was like a 15-hour flight, it was probably the most comfiest flight I've ever been on in my life. You mentioned um, COVID and obviously the precautions that are, that are taking place. Did it affect you in any way um, in Calgary, you know, training for this fight or even before that? Uh, no, you know, at first, when, it, when COVID first started, it was hard to get training partners. But, you know, other than that, you know, everyone's back to training. Um you know, I, I have my sparring partners back. Uh, every, strength and conditioning is the same. Uh, kickboxing, boxing is the same. So everything was the same. It's just all the precautions when we got here it was kind of annoying. But, you know, safety first. You're more relaxed uh, during fight week than you usually are. I don't know if it's because it's early in the morning that we're chatting. But is there a different approach going into this fight than, than usual? Or am I just uh, reading too far into this? Um, you know, this is my sixth UFC fight. I've been here before. I'm, I'm feeling really confident. Um, I know what I got to do. I know I trained hard. I know I'm in shape. And, uh, you know, this is my job now. I've, I've been here before. I'm not really a newcomer no more. So, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a bit more relaxed and more confident. But the task at hand, you know, I'm still going to bring that same intensity, that same fire when I fight. Do you feel like they already know that you're mean? You don't need to, you don't need to prove it to them anymore? Or they've seen what you can do? They've seen what I can do. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm not going to I'm not gonna force nothing. You know, I, this is really who I am. So, you know, I'm just being myself. And uh, looking forward to putting on a performance. So if you get this win, it's five in a row for you. And that's not easy to do in the featherweight division. The featherweight division, in my opinion, is the deepest division in the entire sport, the UFC's featherweight division. So um, everybody's trying to claw away at, at getting ranked. What do you want to do after this uh, once you get that fifth win? Well, like I said, after this fight, I expect the top ten, and I want to start making my title run. So uh, I was promised if I get a, a good win after this fight, I'm going to get a top ten my next fight. And... Uh, you know, the, the Mina Keem title run will begin. So that was promised to you? So a win, a win on Saturday does mean that you're going to get elevated to, you know, facing someone who's ranked in the top 10? Most definitely. Is there anybody in the top 10 you have your eye on? Do you, do you look at the rankings and, and try to yeah, picture yourself? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I look at the rankings, you know. Um, anybody in that top 10, I'm, I'm not afraid to fight anybody, you know. Uh, right now I'm focusing on Zabaru, but after this fight, I'll definitely have somebody to call out and, uh, 
I'll be looking, uh, you know, to uh, excel and, and move up the rankings. For this particular matchup, where do you think you match up best against him? I mean, obviously on the feet, I'd imagine you, you have him out of class, but have you been working a lot on your ground game to, to the point where him taking you down is probably not going to be possible? Because you have an 85% takedown uh, defense as is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I've been working my takedown defense, of course. Um, and uh, even if he does take me down, I've been working submissions off my back. He's not going to be able to hold me down. I'll be getting back to my feet. And uh, I'm just going to really push the pace, and I know I'm going to eventually break him. And uh, once I see him looking for a way out, I'm going to give him a way out. Do you have any predictions for the uh, main event and co-main event, or are you strictly focused on Dubaira? I'll give a prediction. Uh, for the main event, I was saying uh, a TKO for uh, Israel in the fourth or fifth round. And um, for the co-main event, I'm going with uh, Dominic Reyes. I think he's going to win um, maybe by TKO as well. And when you look at the featherweight title picture, there's not really a clear top contender that is going to face uh, Alexander Volkanovsky next. Who do you think has, earns it? Like, who do you think has earned it? Who deserves it? You know, Comey, uh, I think Max deserves a third fight, you know, even though a lot of people don't agree. I kind of think Max deserves a third fight just because, uh, you know, I thought he won that second fight. You know, everyone has their different opinions, but I definitely thought he won the second fight. And, you know, he was, he was a champ for a long time. He defended it so many times. So I think he should get that, you know, third match and uh, finish it once and for all. I think you're in the majority. Most people, I think, uh, believe Max won that fight. I'm in the minority. I thought Alex won the fight, but you know, I can, I can yeah. see how people can uh, can look at both of those uh, those sides. It was a very close fight. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. you, you never see a guy lose two in a row and then get a third shot. Like it would, that would be un, uncharted territory for the UFC. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's gonna get a third fight, you know. But uh, I'm just you know stating my opinion. That's how I feel, and uh, we'll see we'll see who gets the next shot. All right, big opportunity for you this Saturday. Yourself, Zubaira, Tuhugov. It's uh, UFC 253 in Abu Dhabi. Always appreciate your time, Hakeem. Thank you. I appreciate it. That'll do it for this week's TSN MMA show. Thanks to our guests, Israel, Mabolaji Temitayo, Odunayo, Oluwafemi, Owolabi, Adesonya, Paulo Costa, Dominic Reyes, Hakeem Dawadu, and, of course, my co-host, Bazooka Joe Valtellini. We'll be back next week to recap UFC 253.